I am broadcasting from sunny San Diego. You know, you get the like rundown on the ho- from the hotel, you know, when you check in, like here's this restaurant and that restaurant. On this little sheet of paper, which I'm holding here, uh, <laughs> are, are things like the fitness center and all that kind of the business center. Also on here is the swim diaper policy, which you oh. start uh, having to. Oh, take. yeah. I'd love to hear it. All children ages three and under or children who are not potty trained are required to wear swim diapers and must play in our children's pool only. So that no one get in the kid's pool. That's a good policy to follow. That's just a good way to get sick on vacation. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 331. That is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Hey, Reed. I'm considering my life choice to take my little one to the kiddie pool today. <laughs> it's really just to avoid anywhere. There's a large collection of uh, young adults, <laughs> and that will persist through adolescence and uh, even high school, I've decided. So uh, it's just best not to have a bunch of them together in one place. <laughs> well, here we are for another week. I am out in San Diego at the Reuters event, uh, Digital Health 2023. So taking a quick break to record this. I know we got a good interview today, but excited to talk more in upcoming weeks about some of the things uh, being covered here. I do feel like what we've talked about over the last few weeks has been fortuitous. Is that the right word? Is that... That's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or timely, too. Fortuitous and timely. So as we've talked about tracking and Google and pixels and all those types of things, I've got got some thoughts there that we'll cover in an upcoming episode and, and really just how to engage the consumer more effectively in the changing days of our uh, of our roles in healthcare. So more to come on all that, but you've got a good interview for today, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. We have an interview with Rob Rosenberg. We're talking about branding and thought leadership and just kind of resetting ourselves around brand in this day and age. While you're off doing your conference thing, we could uh, run the interview, I think. That sounds great. Well, before we do that, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Touchpoint.health is the website. You can learn more about the show, certainly. But there's something called the TPS report. You'll notice it up in the top navigation there. Name, email address, affords you one email each week. Well, most weeks, unless we're traveling or there's a holiday or something like that. But let's let's call it let's call it 45 times a year. I don't I don't know. I don't really know what it works out to be. <laughs> Roughly every Monday you're gonna get a, an email from us with five articles to kick your week off. Hopefully that's a great value add. Uh, that's really all we ever plan to use it for is just to uh, send that your way. So again, touchpoint.health is the website. We'll pause here, let you go subscribe and be back with Interview with Rob. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. 
Sure is. And read, consider this, 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. I'm back here talking with Rob Rosenberg, friend of the pod. Rob, you and I joke, this is sort of like your annual check-in with the Touchpoint podcast. It is. I know. I know. It's kind of like a, it's like my my physical well-being on checkup here. I'm looking forward to it. You know, there are many people that have not heard from the numerous times you've been on the show before about yourself. Would you mind starting off by sharing your background? Oh, sure. Sure, Chris. So let's see here. The background goes back a long way. You know, it's um, I have been in the marketing and advertising business now for 40 years effective uh, this year, which is crazy. And 30 of which has been in the healthcare industry in terms of marketing and advertising and branding. I started out in the healthcare side of it as a partner with an agency that really was one of the first in the country to work with hospitals. And then I started Springboard, believe it or not, 20 years ago in in 22. I've kind of seen a lot of different trends and forces in the industry. And uh, today, Springboard is still a a viable branding company uh, located outside of Chicago in Arlington Heights. And we're working with hospitals and health systems, medical associations, specialty practices, still about 90% in the healthcare industry. So again, have, uh, you know, I look back at it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey. I could imagine. I mean, I can't, I've been in the space for, you know, close to 15 years. So I have seen the industry go up and down. I'm sure you've seen a lot more. One of the things that we're going to talk about today is one of those strategies that has shifted over the years. And it's probably one of our favorite topics, Rob, which is branding. Let's first of all, let's kind of reset. I always say, let's set the table, right? So let's set the table. And from your perspective, maybe you could share your position on what is branding? You know, it's interesting if you if you look it up or if you read different articles, I think a couple of years ago, I counted 42 definitions for the term either brand or branding, and they varied from an identity to an advertisement to a number of different aspects of communications. And it really does throw a lot of people off because when you talk about, you know, what is our brand again, you know, people do tend to get tactical about it in our philosophy and working with clients and just my overall role in the profession the last four decades, I guess, you know, brand is, you know, this kind of gestalt uh, energy that a product or service 
uh, has about it. And it's an energy that is based on the experience people have, the expectations they have about a certain product or service, the buzz that's out there. So, you know, brand is really, as I describe it to people, it's an energy about your product or service that not only communicates its benefits, but does it in a way that really does uh, resonate with people both in their, you know, their their hearts, their minds, and, and how they think about your uh, organization uh, in different ways. And it's, it's, it's much bigger than an identity. Now, I will say, in terms of creating a brand, you know, all of those 42 different definitions or items that I mentioned a, a couple, all of those have to do with branding a product or service. So, you know, branding is is really a strategy that is applied in many different ways to create that energy we just discussed. So the interesting part is if people take the time to actually think through the brand strategy, they'll realize that, you know, creating a tagline or an ad or a, an icon or an identity really can bring that brand to life based on the strategy. So instead of just starting, you know, with the, with the napkin rendition of what your brand identity might be, actually start with a strategy and then develop an identity that brings it to life. And you'll find that suddenly, you know, everything starts to support itself, which is uh, kind of where you want to be. But I think you kind of illustrated the fact that brand is is really hard to specifically pinpoint. It, it is, you know, it's a, it's like I said, I, I've used a lot of definitions in my in my career, and uh, the one I I always like is uh, is energy because I, it speaks to people, it activates people, it moves people, it creates thoughts and actions and you know motivation and all that uh, for people to pursue your product or service, and I think that's what it is, and internally too. So that's a that's a huge audience. Right, because it's multiple audiences too, right? Brand is not just about the external audience. It's about your internal audience, your own employees, but also like the thought leaders in your industry. Before we jump there though, as you're describing this, I can't help but think about like people's journey with a brand, right? It's uh, We do a lot in in my space, in the digital space of journey mapping to understand how people go from one point to the next to the next point. Right. There's also a brand journey. Almost early on in the in the, in the stages of of when they don't even know you and they get to know you, like AKA the awareness phase, right? Yeah. Brand matters in a different way than maybe once they're a customer or once they're an employee. So tell us a little bit about how you see, like maybe paint the picture of a, of a high level brand journey for me. Well, you know, there's the old marketing model that has the five or six different bars on it. And the first one is awareness and the second is preference and then likability, usership, loyalty, and all that. And that's the classic brand model that uh, says that, you know, you have to kind of uh, create awareness and then ultimately preference. And then, as I said, all the other factors that go with it. So that really is the brand journey. I mean, and what's interesting is all of those different bars, if you will, lend themselves to different tactics. So, you know, you look at things like uh, creating brand awareness, and then you look back in the old days of all the disciplines of, you know, mass advertising, public relations, so forth and so on. And then as you move down into preference building, you get into more differentiation to create that that preference. And then you get into other tactics 
Uh, and today, as you get into advocacy, call it, maybe that's the very last one where you have real loyal brand users who aren't just loyal brand users. They kind of live and breathe the brand. So they're now, you know, they're reading your social media posts. They're on your site, your website. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they're reading blogs about your product or service. So they're, they're really more than just users of your brand. They're kind of enthusiasts of your brand. That's, again, how those different tactics today lend themselves back to those different bars in the classic marketing model. Yeah, what's interesting too is those uh, those people that are enthusiasts about your brand. They're also that they also tend to be the people that can influence people that are just starting their experience with your brand too. Uh, I mean, totally, and, you, and yeah, brand influence is like a whole other thing. I mean, you know, maybe that's the next one after enthusiast because if you're an enthusiast, then you become an influencer, and uh, from a brand champion standpoint or from a brand leadership standpoint, that's kind of what you want. Yeah, and to be clear, you're not talking about those influencers on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> you're talking. I can, I can <laughs> do a pretty mean dance. On TikTok, but no, I'm not. On, you know, I'm talking about even people who do simple things like you know share your social media posts or comment on them in a positive way are are you know influencers because you know other people look at those comments you know for the real voice about a brand experience and and so if you're taking the time you know to make a comment on it and and have people read it you're sort of an influencer yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you for clarifying that definition. Although, um, definitely follow Rob on TikTok. He's got a great <laughs> account. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. A lot of the work you do th- lately has been with associations, medical associations and things. Yeah. And I think about brand in, in the context of that, a lot of it is centers around thought leadership. Thought leadership is one of those areas of branding that I think sometimes are, is miscategorized or even de-emphasized in the, in the guise of just being consumer-facing branding. So, so talk a little bit about thought leadership for me. Yeah, thought leadership, I think, is, is you know, probably worthy of its own podcast show anyway. It's a, it's a huge area, and, you know, and it kind of gets at the fact, pardon my cliche, but back in the old days, you know, thought leadership was essentially public relations, right? It was you know, media relations. So that was a way to get people to, you know, think about your brand. And it was a way to express your thought leadership in a, you know, very structured, kind of paid for way. Well, today, you know, thought leadership is very organic. Uh, and it again, it's, it's about speaking to those brand enthusiasts who are interested in 
essentially what you have to say or, you know, kind of how you think about a subject. So, you know, in terms of medical associations, uh, where organizations seek to, you know, brand their members as specialists primarily or, you know, however they're branded, uh, thought leadership becomes a major content strategy and outreach strategy to do so. So essentially thought leadership is a strategy today to establish your brand. You use the word content, right? I think the big part of it is being able to create relevant, interesting content. Absolutely. I know maybe five years ago, Reed and I were talking about on the show about content marketing and thought leadership and, you know, even PR, like those are all part of the same spectrum. Totally. In fact, yeah, in fact, you know, the the content and thought leadership are absolute, you know, uh, growth from the public relations world. Thought leadership oftentimes is seen as very focused on certain things. So you have like an executive thought leadership program where you maybe want to position in the market that your executives of your organization are top of the class. And then you have thought leadership of executives to employees to build alignment, or in your case, from the, the associations to their members, right? Right. And then you have thought leadership where you elevate employees as experts. And all of those sound similar but but the strategies to do that are distinctly different it's like a different muscle that you have to you have to exercise it's a strategy it's and then all those things that you described and how the thought leadership gets expressed are you know tactically ways to get it out there but as we started this this podcast from the energy of a brand it has to stem from a unique story about a product or service. And it's, it's almost as though back in the old days, there was that cliche again, when you had all those disciplines, media, relations, advertising, so forth, uh, they all had to execute against one strategy, one voice. So thought leadership is really the same. If you have a well-defined brand strategy about what you want to stand for, uh, from a positioning standpoint, standpoint, whether it's internally or externally, thought leadership should absolutely reinforce it. So just like social media, just like digital, just like every other content, it shouldn't go off on its own tangent. It really do. So if you're going to train thought leaders and you're going to create content, it really needs to be around those keywords and around those key messages that you want your brand to stand for. And that's a mistake, you know, that a lot of organizations, uh, they kind of a little bit of the, uh, the, the cart before the horse. Yeah. Boy, I'm really sounding old. You know, they, uh, they, <laughs> you know, they're into thought leadership and content, but it's kind of the Wild West. It's like, well, wait a minute. Let's rein this in and make sure that we're training the trainers. We're training our speakers. We're training it to, to support the key messaging that we want to get out there. It still is a very focused, uh, very uh, specific direction that you want to go in order to support your brand premise. You know, I think that every organization really has to realize that your brand is the true north of everything you do as an organization. Well, it can if you believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, from, you know, Phil Knight at Nike, uh, you know, to uh, Elon Musk to, you know, Jeff Bezos. I mean, these are the, you know, these are the big brands today and they absolutely believe 
uh, in their brands. And, and yeah, then it becomes the true North. And, you know, that's, that's kind of an interesting concept too, as I say it, how the CEOs and the owners or founders are becoming really part of that brand energy. I mean, that's really kind of a cool concept. Whereas, you know, I, I use Nike and Phil Knight only if you were in the circles, did you know, right, that Phil Knight was the CEO of Nike back then, and Bob Welch was the CEO of, you know, of GE and and Bill Marriott and so forth, only if you really knew. But today, the brands that are that we live with, uh, these powerhouse brands really have uh, their thought leaders and so forth. I mean, it's right up to the top, right? And, and it's it's part of the energy. I mean, you either like Bezos or you don't. You have certain feelings about Elon Musk. And, and you know, so it's, it, it's kind of an interesting topic. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And when you think about that, some organizations really have become kind of the cult of the personality of the, the executive or the executive leadership structure. Absolutely, yes. You know, and others have really embraced a diversification and said, we're collective voices. And I think about, you know, larger organizations that have struggled with that, right? Uh, you, you know, or even lar- large health systems where they're they're saying, we're a collection, like a collective. Yet, it's so much easier to be aligned around like that single true vision, rather than distribute, you know, thought leadership over multiple people. Yet, in order to be successful, you have to get everybody singing from the same songbook. Am I right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, the risk there, of course, is just being more polarizing in the market. You know, the diversity lends itself to probably less polarization and more likability, frankly. You know, whereas I think a singular voice or a singular vision uh, is going to be more polarizing. But to your point, more memorable, uh, probably more distinctive and more interesting, <laughs> you know, uh, that's why, you know, creating multiple, you know, thought leadership champions and strategies for healthcare organizations might, is probably why we've seen it because it's a little less risky and, you know, healthcare organizations tend to be uh, certainly that when it comes to internal and external communications. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I've seen it kind of cascade now to, it's not just to the consumer or to the employee. I'm seeing a lot of organizations because recruitment is a big top of mind to our industry right now, right? Because, right. And from a recruitment perspective, thought leadership becomes appealing to those individuals because it, it really emulates and, and expresses the brand in the right way or the experience of working at your organization, it's the flavor, it's the personality flavor of your brand. And, and as a prospective employee, you know, you tend to read everything you can and on the organization. And so uh, whether it's blogs or podcasts or other expressions of thought leadership, yeah, they're going to devour that stuff. And it's going to give them a real taste of what the organization is like. Uh, I think that's a great point. 
Yeah, very meta of you to mention podcasts because that's probably what we're doing right now. And if you think about that, you and I are engaging in thought leadership right now. Uh, so meta. And anyway, you know, as I think about this, right? So brand, because it's so expansive and it, and it cascades across all levels of the organization, I think the importance of having a brand platform and a really rigorous brand platform is so critical to organizations. And by the way, it's not just one that sits there on the shelf for 20 years. It has to modify and pivot with the times too, right? It absolutely does. It's um, a lot of times it takes, you know, at least, at least 12 months, I mean, maybe shorter, you know, sometimes to get there, to get to the right platform. It involves all the research in the market, all the internal exploration, executive point of view. So all those, all that, that process that goes into it. And so when it's done and you reach a brand, a, a brand platform and people are excited and it's unique and it's distinctive and it's, you know, got the energy to it, then it's out there for in all the ways we've discussed, whether it's, you know, the thought leadership to, you know, advertising to social to digital experience, the whole bit, uh, you know, then it's like you just feel satisfied and you want to just kind of leave it there for a while. And uh, to your point, you really can't do that. You have to, you have to be organic with it. You have to be fluid with it because as things happen in our society, which they they do all the time. You have to be able to make your brand under that platform continue to be relevant in however culture changes. And, and that's why you can't just rest on your, your laurels with it or your strategy. You have to constantly evaluate it and, and make it, you know, uh, again, fluid with the times. It really is about authenticity, if your brand is an authentic representation of your your business or your association or yourself, all of those things, your business, your association, yourself, modify and shift with the times. We're not we're not static. The apple of Steve Jobs is no longer the apple of today, right? Things shift all the time with with associations, with health systems, what have you. And I think that's part of the Part of the ability here, if you're really doing brand the right way, is regularly, routinely checking in with your organization or yourself to make sure that it's still being authentic. Regardless of the industry you're in, uh, you know, again, I'll go back to cultural shifts that change almost monthly or for sure annually, but you have to do your own brand assessment, you know, look at where diversity and inclusivity has, you know, essentially now it's at the top of organizational needs and values. Well, you know, I mean, that wasn't the case two or three years ago. And, and so how does your brand respond to that? How do you pivot around that? You know, look at local markets where health systems live. Look at, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, horrible mass shooting tragedies and, and responsiveness. And where does your brand fit into that in terms of safety, in terms of, you know, all that. So you can't just be, as a, as a brand, you can't just be focused on your output. You have to focus on on where the community is and how you touch and reach and, and work within it. And, and that's 
a big part of authenticity. That's authentic. That is authenticity. Right. If you're not, then you're just, you know, then you're just a marketing brand. You're not a, you know, real living, breathing brand in people's lives. And that's a huge difference. As always, this conversation has been so great, Rob. I could talk with you about anything. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about branding, thought leadership, authenticity. This All of this stuff is so super critically important. And particularly now in our industry, which is facing such hard times, to have that brand resilience through it all is probably the most critical thing you can do, even though it's so hard to pinpoint the you know, the material return of what you're doing, it's still so super critical. Well, it, it is. And I always appreciate your, your knowledge and understanding of that because, you know, in today's multidisciplinary world that we live in, in terms of communications and marketing personnel, oftentimes you know, brand is sometimes thrown into, oh, that was, you know, good a couple of years ago, but today we're on to, you know, blank. I mean, yeah. like you said, you're on, we're on to content and thought leadership. That's really where we need to focus. And as we discussed earlier, you know, if there's not a platform for it, then what are you leading? You're thinking about, you know, what are, what is your content about? Because if it's everything, then you stand for nothing. So uh, it's it all has to work. And, and you've always been a big advocate of brand and, and you've also supported it through the digital experience, which is part of living and, and breathing the brand. That's part of that energy. And uh, it all has to work together. And I always appreciate your, your ability to, uh, to see that. Well, thank you, Rob. I mean, these conversations are enlightening. Let's make it less rare than every year. Let's try to get you on more frequently because I always well, love having a conversation. Hey, I'm here. I'm still still plucking. I'm still plucking away, man. So I'm I'm here. As Elton John says, "You're still standing," right? I'm so, still standing. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty years later, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Going, so I'll be, that's because of, you know what you have to embrace the change. You have to embrace what you do and and uh, and all that stuff. And I am you know it's it's fun. It's still a very fun business. It's a thoughtful business. Uh, it's an authentic business, as you said. So you still have to to enjoy it, and you have to kind of just like a brand, you know, you gotta have to you know learn and move and be fluid with it. And uh, and hopefully, I've done that over the years. Uh, well, I think you certainly have. Now, look before you go. People listening in, they probably want to connect with you if they aren't already connected with you. Tell them how they can find you online. Oh, you mean uh, Dancing Ad Man on TikTok? <laughs> yes, that's one. <laughs> that's one, yeah. Uh, well, for those listening, you won't find me there, but you will find me. You can certainly email me at rob at springboardbrand.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Rob Rosenberg. And also you can look at our own thought leadership. You can look at springboardbrand.com, the website, and you can go to thought leadership and you'll see all sorts of content and uh, blogs and, and other things that uh, we've contributed to the to the world. And uh, hopefully that'll pique some interest. It's a lot, a lot of good articles out there. I would definitely uh, go out, uh, go out there. I still reference some of your articles from years ago, Rob, like uh, I was talking about the uh, seven words you should never use in healthcare marketing. Um, still a classic. And that's out there on your thought leadership. It is. It is still a classic. I know it's, it's kind of like off my first album track two. Exactly. You know, 
people say, yeah, do that one, do that one. And I, <laughs> and I love doing that one because it's still, it's still true today. And uh, I guess, unfortunately, you still, you know, those seven words are still out there. Well, Rob, thank you so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. We're going to link to everything in the show notes. We'll look forward to having you back on the show real soon. I look forward to it, Chris, and uh, always uh, my best and uh, good wishes to you and your, and your growing family. Thank you. Special thanks to Rob for coming on the show. Uh, you know, good friend of the show, certainly been on a time or two before. Always uh, great to have folks on that have a, a point of view and have something to say. So I uh, appreciate his time and willingness to do that. And again, if you're listening, you would like to be on the show. You know somebody that would like to be on the show. You know a topic we should talk about. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you and uh, love to know what that is. Uh, again, touchpoint.health is the website. We mentioned the TPS report earlier in the show. Besides those five articles to start your week, there's also upcoming conference mentions in there as well. So be sure to check that out. But before we get out of here for today, maybe we uh, hit on a couple of recommendations. What do you, what do you have today, Chris? Reed, I'm going to recommend something that I'm surprised I'm the one recommending it and you haven't <laughs> recommended it yet. Um, but my wife and I just over the last week, we watched on Amazon Prime the movie Air. Oh, there you go. Great, great movie about how Jordan's relationship with Nike evolved and became what it is and, and the creation of the of the famous tennis shoe line. I will also say that the cast is stellar. We're talking about Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon, Jason Bateman's in it, uh, Marlon Wayans, Chris Tucker's in it. Like, all these top-rated people, and it's told, told from the perspective of Nike trying to position themselves as relevant players in the basketball industry, how they found Michael Jordan, and subsequently entered into the business relationship that they did. Fascinating, great story, hilarious, very relevant, and I'm a, not a sports guy, and I'm loving this show, so I cannot recommend it enough. So uh, that's my recommendation. If you have Prime Video, go watch Air, which you can stream it for free. Uh, I've got it downloaded and um, probably going to watch it with the family, but uh, I've heard great things about it. And again, you know, I've heard it from people that are not sports fans, right, that this was kind of like Ford versus Ferrari or some of those movies where it's not so much about the car or the basketball uh, sport itself, but it's more about, like you said, the relationship really between Nike and Jordan's mom and, and how a lot of that kind of evolved. So really, really cool. I'm looking forward to, looking forward to seeing that. I am going to recommend a game, an iOS app, if you will. It's called Watermelon. Have you heard of this? No, this is, this is not Fruit Ninjas. Yeah, it's just called Watermelon. It, it's not anything um, particularly uh, strategic, if you will. But if you like the like the kind of like Tetris style, hey, you can just play it on your phone with one hand. It's great when you're sitting around the airport or sitting around waiting or killing a few minutes. But the idea is that these different pieces of fruit uh, compound into other types of fruit. Obviously, they get bigger and bigger until you make it to a watermelon, and the goal is to see how many watermelons you can get. Anyway, so uh, free game. It's fun. Again, if you like kind of, I'm going to call it a time waster, but uh, just something to do while you're, you're sitting around waiting or uh, waiting on somebody or waiting on a plane. It's uh, Anyway, it's a fun little game. 
I think I'm going to go download it. That sounds like right up my alley right there. Yeah, there you go. All right, folks. Thanks again. Uh, we certainly appreciate the advocacy and the support. And, you know, as we continue to go to conferences and see people, uh, everybody's been very kind about the show and that they're still listening all these episodes later. So uh, really, really appreciate that. But reach out, let us know topics, people, uh, all that kind of stuff that we should uh, have on the show or start covering. But for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.